0: Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to this week's episode of That Scale RC Show. I'm your host, Adam, along with Travis. Uh, unfortunately, you know Jay's just done with the show. He said he doesn't want to do it anymore, so you're, you're stuck with just the two of us now. But in all seriousness, Jay's just not feeling well, so he wanted to take the night off. So we hope you get better. Um, but we do have a special guest uh, this week. Uh, this week we have Chris Trudeau. So Chris, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: How's it going? I am the one who harasses the That Scale or She Seat podcast as well as Trackwalk, so you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> What's going on, gentlemen? I feel definitely... like I should bow or something.
2: <laughs> Not a whole lot. I mean, thank you for, obviously, thank you for coming on. And yeah, we've talked about it before. We're like, man, you're you're everywhere. You, you know, you always been a big supporter of both of you know both of the podcasts here between the scale show and track walk and then um obviously with tim's show and keenan's and everybody else's i'm you know obviously if, uh, if, if for those people who aren't privy to those it's the tsr speed chop and then uh um the no name rc podcast you know just to name a couple and and just, so definitely like
1: I think I'm a for gigantic RC nerd,
2: <laughs> basically that's the impression that we've been given. Yeah, is that you're just a dude that just loves this, and um,
1: my and, wife hates it. But you know, <laughs> they that, were here before she was. So she's <laughs> kind
2: of, that's a that's a theme in the RC world, I think. <laughs> it, yes, I, I talked to many
1: I have many a friend that uh, yeah, they're in the same kind of boat. but gotcha. Their, their wife, their wives, have very high tolerance.
2: You have to for this stuff, so. It's fair. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah, so you're what well, from like basically the comments that we've we've gathered from you, you know, you do a lot of scaling, you do a lot of drifting. So drifting is something that we have not really ever gotten into on this show. And I can't actually remember the last time I heard it mentioned on any podcast. So um for someone who maybe isn't as educated in that world you know can you give kind of like a brief rundown of of what maybe your day would look like if you're you know you're drifting or how does that look for you as an rc nerd drifting wise
1: non-existent as of late uh it's it's mostly just (laughs) been a lot of like buddies and, and garages um we're fortunate right now that um Casey Vitali of uh, Northwest Hobbies in Albany is in the process of moving locations. He um, has recently acquired uh, an empty, so he, so Casey is moving his location to uh, a spot in the mall and is um, expanding his facility to include an on-road track and we're actually in the process of building a drift track. So I have a bunch of buddies that are down in the Salem, Albany area that are converting one of the rooms. They've been hard at work polishing the concrete, making it all nice and pretty, and uh, hopefully we'll have a a more permanent drift home uh, in uh, Albany at Northwest's new location that should open, I'm told, October, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, it it basically started out going way, way back um, to like the late 90s with guys just getting, um, you know, their touring cars and wrapping electrical tape around the t- their rubber tires and sliding it around on the floor. And it's sort of graduated from, you know, electrical tape to plastic PVC tires oh. to, um, you know, now there's various compounds of drift tires specific to, you know, polished concrete, worn-out asphalt, um, even carpet. So uh, a lot of the high-level drift guys in Japan actually drift on carpet, which is pretty nuts. But it's uh, – yeah, it's pretty uh, – it's it's definitely come, you know, quite a ways from, you know, just wrapping simple electrical tape around the, the tires. I'm sure a few people have done it. I know, I know guys who've done it with, like, slashes and e-revos. They've taken, like, you know, duct tape and wrapped them around the tires of their – you know, e revos and certain sure. friends
2: so. Huh, okay. I had no idea that's how that started. That's crazy. Um no, it's pretty cool. And then then obviously we've touched on that you do quite a bit of scaling. Um so just a few. Yeah. <laughs> um so same sort of thing. You know, what a I guess a good question then would be, you know, what what do you what do you keep on your bench most days for your scale rig?
1: Um, I have a, a custom, um, probably my, my now new sort of favorite is, um, if Adam's been around the scene, I was fortunate enough to get a, um, Tim Samuels, AKA War Pig on the RC crawler forum. I have one of his ex, um, Jeep Grand Cherokee crawlers and it is amazing. Um, so that's kind of right now, sort of my, my personal favorite, it's more or less my, um, class one rig, but I'm finding that it's cool as it is. It's also a limousine. So I'm (laughs) trying to figure out something else. I might have to scale back the wheelbase just a little bit to make it a little more, uh, competitive, but all in all, in the few comps that I've been in, um, other than coming in behind Tim and a couple other guys that are seasoned veterans. I'm pretty happy. I've placed in top five in the last like two comps that I've gone through. So, uh, and I only just started uh, doing comps competitively this year. So, so we'll see. It's it's a new it's a new thing. You know the the trailing and the stuff that I do with my friends on the weekends is fun, but you know the competition side of it is, is a lot of fun too.
0: That that's pretty oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I was gonna say uh Warpig. yeah if i'm not mistaken he's been on rc crawler for a long time i think i actually followed i think he was the reason why i wanted to do some work to the um uh i'm drawing a blank now it's my uh the clodbuster body i think he did a clodbuster class two uh and it was like a f- flatbed i think i could be wrong um, I used to have all those pictures saved in my phone, but that was like four or five phones ago, so
1: yeah for, you know who who knows who knows what the kids these days don't know what forums are or what they consist of <laughs> I mean it's basically Facebook it's the same questions being asked repetitively because people won't use the search button
0: there's and, that and yeah. and <laughs> yeah and then the other thing too, is I've always thought it was funny because they'll never understand the pain and this isn't just an r c it's in almost any kind of forum that you go on to everybody which kind of is how it happens on Facebook too, they all act like they're um experts in everything. You ask one question and oh, this person's an expert, and everyone's supposed to listen to everything they say,
1: oh right, so armchair yeah, sure quarterbacks all the all the all over the place,
0: mhm. So, but yeah, no, it's kind of sad too because RC Crawler, if I'm not mistaken, actually started by two guys down in my area and it was actually like the go-to place for anything. Um, You wanted to post your rig, you wanted to ask questions, you wanted to talk about upcoming events, anything. You went on the forum and that's how you found it. I don't know what happened all of a sudden. I want to say around... 2012 2013 i want to say all of a sudden it was like you had to be on like everybody was on facebook
2: you Mm -hmm. know there's
0: no more posting events on you know the forum it was all on facebook there's a there was quite a bit of time i want to say between like 2011 to maybe 2014 where some people still tried to update both, but I think it was just a hassle to go on to both because obviously the forms not compatible with Facebook, so it wasn't like you could just post on Facebook and it'll bring it up like for everything. you or vice versa. You had yeah. to like copy and paste everything and resubmit it in both places, so I think a lot of people just got lazy and said, I'm not doing it in both places. We're just going to do it in one, and well, I think that's other... when –
1: the other part to that, too, though, is a lot of the stuff that people were using for their photos. Like, if you go on there now, like, there's a lot of really cool build threads, but you can't see anything because it's all, you know, Smug Mug or Photo Bucket. And a lot of those places they started charging. And, you know, people basically sort of just gave up on trying to host their photos. And there were people with, like, hundreds of photos of, you know, builds and, and all mm-hmm. kinds of right. stuff that, you know, you basically can't get to those pictures. Or now if you go on there, they're all, they're all like, blurry
0: yeah exactly exactly. the
1: full like clear detail of what they they did it's still full of information I still go on there and troll and look up stuff and and some accounts are still you know active and and like I've bookmarked I bookmarked the build on mine because I want to know the history of of the rig that I have so I found it it's still on there with pictures so that was kind of cool
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah I, know I, that, um, um, I used to um, use, um, tap on my phone to go on all the forums. And I remember tap allowed you to upload, um, directly through that, um, uh, app. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like you needed, you know, Photoshop or something, which is actually funny you brought that up because I actually got it. I think they started charging about a year or two ago. Cause I actually got an e- email saying that, I needed to pay for Photoshop if I wanted to be able to share my photos. Like, they'll still keep them there. Photo but, bucket. Yeah, photo bucket. Yeah, photo bucket, sorry. If, yeah. If, you know, and I was like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what everyone
1: kind of said when they were, you know, doing the fo- the hosting. And you can't, you know, now it's all, now everyone has Instagram pages. So a lot of those builds mm-hmm. and stuff are all, if if you're young enough to understand how to do it, there's some, you know, there's some of that generation, some of the older builder guys, you know, I don't know quite necessarily know if they're all that techy on it, but, um, you know, and a lot of them have, have transitioned or switched their builds to, uh, um, Instagram. There's a few people that I follow on, on Instagram with some amazing builds and, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, the forums are good. It, it is one of those lost art. I mean, that's kind of how the, the drifting thing to kind of circle back. That's kind of how the drifting thing sort of started as we had a, a conversation, a group page back when. Um, HPI had a a page and a forum and HPI cars are really popular. Um, There was a subgroup of us that um, started a a drift discussion and just kind of like blew up from there. So
0: um, yeah, Yeah, the
1: the forum days, man, those were, those were good times in some respect.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, like you say, there's people that aren't going to remember that. I mean, it's, it's like that with a lot of things. I mean, I still step back and think about some of the stuff like – because I know I was playing with my phone during the recording of last week's episode and because I was updating it because I got a new one. And it was just like I'm thinking about it, and you're just like, you know, I'm on the 11th iPhone, and I got my first iPhone when it was the iPhone 3, I said. And if you look at an iPhone 3 versus an iPhone 11, it is – and it hasn't even really been that long. It's only been like eight, nine years. Mm -mm. It's changed dramatically. I mean, it's just like... the It's an entirely different machine. And you're just like... It, it kind of like blows your mind. So it's kind of like the same thing with the forum. It's like... This stuff's like changed so much in a short period of time. It's like, where does it go next?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and another, another sort of OG builder, Ryan Garish... Um, he's been around for a long time doing builds and stuff. And he... You know, he used to work at the local hobby shop where I would go, and it was all, you know, st- they were using, uh, you know, Stampede transmissions and, and using TS1s. Mm-hmm. So to go from that to, you know, the VS, let's just, let's just say the VS410 Pro is sort of like the new sort of yeah, upper yeah. echelon of rigs. I mean, you know, you're talking about a huge change in just a few short years of, of you know, where the technology and where the crawlers have come you know the same, oh, yeah. with, the same yeah. with drift. I mean same with everything. Everything's changed. I mean, tra- I mean, uh, Travis knows. He's been he's been racing. He's seen the migration of everything. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Um what was I going to say? Um yeah. And the funny thing is and it's kind of interesting and this is kind of something that I'm going to ask Chris just because when I first got into crawling um, the guy that got me into it my buddy um, Chris Wong down at Talbot's hobbies he got me into this and actually he was into drifting at the same time um, and ironically when I started building my scale shop about six years ago or so he goes you're building a scale shop and I said yeah I said why not i mean it, you can show your rig you can you know kind of like geek out and you know become a super scale nerd and all this stuff. And he goes, that's what we do at my drift club. And I go, what? And he started showing me all these pictures and they had like little garages and stuff. And they'd like the teams would, because he was part of some like little local drift team and they would all bring their own little garages and like you'd stage your cars out in And it was actually pretty scale. So my question to you is, is that like something that was just regional or do you see that where you're at? um, And you know, are you partaking in it?
1: Um the little the, the group that I'm part of, that's that's sort of the direction we want to go. Um the the name that you mentioned sounds familiar, but there's there's a couple tracks in, in California. I'm on I'm on a Super G right now, that's a real popular one. And they um their history of Super G was they were a um like a Miata shop. They did like Pop-ups and up and upgrades for Mazda Miatas, and mm-hmm. then um, I think that kind of the same thing. I think they were into like RC drifting, and then basically branched out and started a separate sort of hobby shop with a drift focus. And so, um, yeah, they've they've got. I'm looking at pages on there. It's SuperGDrift.com. Um, I'll grab the. I'll do this. Let me put this here. See if you guys can see that, um, but they have done. I mean, theirs is a sort of a replica of, um, like the shop and and stores mm-hmm. and little mini, um, like tuner garages with like you know scale wheels in them. They've got um, you know lights and overpasses. Whoa. So it's it's like a full on, you know they're they're definitely doing it, you know right. As far as the, the scale side of it goes, there's several, um, killer killer shops in Japan that have, you know, amazing layouts and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of real estate and, and also too with it, you know, you've got to, you know, like these guys are strictly for drift. That's all they do. And it is one of the sort of, you know, niche segments of the market that, you know, it's not near. I don't necessarily. It's not nearly as big as as crawling. I mean, you're not going to get a, you know, a, a drift event like Proline by the Fire where there's three thousand people that show up. Um, but it's it's not uncommon for some of these drift shops to get you know twenty guys, thirty guys showing up and having a a drift competition.
0: Yeah, I I know what you mean. because um, a couple of my other buddies, it's kind of like weird how. It like my buddies I went to high school with, we like I was never really into the RC thing when I was in high school, it was more like the real thing. And it wasn't until like I don't know five, six years after high school, I started getting into RC. And lo and behold, my buddies were into like drifting. So the one time I was talking about, like, I was actually a JM hobby, which is a local hobby shop to us, getting something. And one of my other buddies comes in, I go, What are you doing? He goes, Oh, I'm getting whatever for his car. And I said, Oh, what do you have you're getting all excited thinking somebody else has a crawler, and he's like, "Oh, it's it's a drift card." And I didn't know that like they really made something specifically for drifting until I looked at this where like I think his wheels were pretty much plastic. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was like a, a like some sort of a band drive um car where it's like yep. a, it was like all a. Driven, band. Sure. Yeah, yeah, belt driven. Um, so it was actually pretty – it was like – it was interesting And he ha- he said, oh, go mess around with it out in the parking lot. Um, and I was kind of like giving it a shot, and I was just like, you know, it's a little like interesting because it's just like – it's almost like what's that thing? It's almost like those drift cycle or tricycles that all – that's like popping up and becoming popular now. Um, it's like you barely have to do anything, and it automatically starts throwing it into the drift for you. Yeah, At least exactly. That's what it felt like to me. Right.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a lot of it is just about you know weight transfer and and again the cars have come a long way since you know what's basically a um, and we can we can sort of get into the progression of the chassis if you want to do that too but um, they you know they've come they've come full circle in a sense um, from you know what the you know, what we started out doing in, in what's basically referred to as like 50-50, and people will will scoff at that, but, I mean, that's sort of what your your box, out-of-the-box mm-hmm. stock sort of Tamiya TTO2 chassis or like the Sprint 2 um, chassis. Most of the drift cars that you buy now out of the box that's not like a Yokomo or an MST are basically what's referred to as 50-50 cars, so equally equal distribution front to rear. And you kind of have to huck them a little bit, but they still, they drift. They're a good, they're a good entry-level car. Um, And that's what most people started with. And then, you know, it kind of graduated to um, driving a more like, you know, a real drift car, a real sort of rear-wheel drive car. And you got into what was then known as counter-steer. So if you want to think of it as like reverse overdrive for your crawlers, so instead, you're you're spinning the rear wheels faster than the front wheels to get the back to kick out a bit more. And with those, you if you were running, you know, a gear car, you could run you know a different ring and pinion um, gear set in the back to get the back to respond, you know, at a certain rate depending upon you know the kind of response you wanted. If you wanted it super fast, or if you wanted it, you know, slightly overdriven, or or um, like one and a half overdrive, you could do that just by changing the, the ring and pinion gears in the back. Um, Okay. Okay. So, um, and those, that was popular for a while. That's actually what I, when I kind of paused and, and really started focusing on the crawling, that's kind of sort of where I left off was counter steer. And I really liked it because it was more like I own a a full size rear wheel drive Corolla, eight, eight, six Corolla. So um, when I was younger and foolish, um, <laughs> I, I would, uh, you know, drift and, and hang out with friends and, and, you know, slide the cars and do all that stuff. So that was more like what I was accustomed to. It was all, you know, throttle input. And then we've transitioned now to, you know, the current phase is, is cars that are rear wheel drive. So imagine basically like you're, um, I guess it would be what a like a b four buggy or a low C triple X buggy, so rear engine, rear drive, but now you're incorporating a, a steering gyro to you know sort of maintain the steering. so you're not doing as much of the the steering input on the controller. The gyro is sort of controlling the the car for you. Um, and then some of the really extreme guys are doing basically rear wheel drive cars, but gyroless. So they're really got their car balanced out to where, you know, it's, it's still basically um, counter steer, but now you're only doing with strictly rear wheel drive cars. It's not, you know, all wheel drive cars that are, you know, one side is overdriven. So it's definitely, it's definitely changed from, you know, throwing electrical tape on a car and sliding it around to, you know, these are now, I mean, Yokum a big company, but drift cars are what make that, that company move. Yeah, I mean, if they tell you that go, that drift cars are what drive their business.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. It's kind of crazy to see, like, it's, it's weird. Cause it's, you don't see it as much, but it really is like tucked behind this sort of like curtain almost where there's like this whole world that people haven't even seen. And, um, yeah, you know, like, we used to have a place up here. I, I never actually made it there, Um, but it was up here in Linwood. It was called Kong Drift.
1: He's still around. Is he? Yeah.
2: I thought that they, he they closed earlier this year. Did they move locations? Because the last time I drove no, by no. that place, which was not that long ago, it looked like it was closed and empty.
1: I th- I thought he was still – last I heard he was still around, I still see his Instagram posts, and he's still posting meets. He may have moved, switched locations. Okay.
2: But, Maybe I'll, um, I'll have to guess. i follow up on that and see and make sure – that that's the case and I'm not slandering him because <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I haven't, I haven't personally been to that one. I've, I've had friends who've gone and the reviews have been mixed, but they, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's another one. He's, he's the closest, I guess, dedicated drift shop in the Pacific Northwest is, is Linwood. I know California has a,
2: has a couple.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. They've made
2: it work. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So I, I got to ask before I forget, um, because yeah. I didn't have this written down. This is, this is off topic a bit, but, sure. um, our, our good buddy Colin Branch, he had a question for you. And that was, um, what was the origin behind the nickname Momo?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, so it was, so, you know, as you say my real name is Chris, um, there were like a million Chris's sort of when I was growing up and, um, it stems from actually like an old email address and I was a huge fan of, of Momo Italy.
0: Right. Uh, right.
1: So Momo sport. So that's essentially what it stemmed from. And then it was just easier to, you know, not just be another Chris. So I just use the nickname Momo. And it's funny cause I have, I have people that in the, in the car communities and, and, and hobby and racing stuff that that's all they know me by. <laughs> they don't even know like, my <laughs> real name. So, um, yeah, it's a it's an old, it's an old racing sort of nickname that that I've just sort of picked up and stuck with, and and it's just kind of followed me, and I've just kept it. It's just easy.
2: Gotcha. So. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, and then wh- back on drifting, just real quick. Um, what is your preferred surface? I mean, what what do you like? Um, ideally a nice polished concrete floor. Like I was
1: just at Costco the other day and I just, every time I walk into Costco, <laughs> I just salivate because the floor is like perfectly polished. I'm like, we could make such an amazing course here. Right. Um, but, but that's sort of like the, you know, the, the ideal surface is just a nice clean, polished, um, you know, medium to, to low grip surface that you can, you know, that you can just bust loose on. um, and then after that, the next would be, you know, was, would probably be carpet just because there's no there's no wear on the tires. Um, you don't eat through tires like you do on – the tires have gotten better. It used to be that you could, you know, you could go to – in fact, if anyone wants to try and just me- – if they've got a set of touring car tires, I mean, I I measured it out. You can go to Home Depot and buy, like, a short section of 2-inch PVC pipe and just, you know, cut a set of plastic rings down just the right, just the size of your – touring tire and slide them on and and try it. And that stuff was great for, you know, playing around on, you know, on, on rough or unimproved, you know, concrete or side, you know, concrete sidewalks or, um, you know, the asphalt out in front of your street. Um, Some streets are better than others, but that way you just wouldn't tear up the, you know, that's, that's what got, that's what made it easier to, to slide on from, you know, people would wear through electrical tape but you put some plastic rings on your car and you could go for a while. And I think I still have a section of PVC pipe that I got from home Depot, you know, years ago. And I think I paid like a buck or two for, you know, a 12 foot section or 12 foot, 12 inch section. So you can make a ton of tires from just a short section of of plastic pipe. That's crazy. I haven't (laughs) even considered that. Okay.
2: Um, Cool. Uh, I think, looking just real quick here, I think this is probably a good point that we can get into some show questions. What do you think, Adam?
0: Sounds good to me. Sorry, I was trying to find. This is the one thing, bringing back uh, Instagram, this is the one thing I don't like about Instagram is when people seem to change their names. You can no longer find them under what their name was that you've known them as for so long. My buddy Chris Wong was Five Point Racing and now he's since changed it but I can't find them. So, cause I was going to send it to you to see if it was anything you, you, um, recognize you said you recognize cause you said it sounded familiar, but
2: yeah, no, I, I, I have that problem often. Um, sweet. So first one I'll ask is from Alex Sims. Uh, he says, I've got an all wheel drive hobby King mission D, uh, it says it's the Yokomo clone. Since it's loving it. Uh, next car is going to be a MST RMX two rear wheel drive. You have any tips on transitioning from all wheel drive to rear wheel drive? Uh,
1: take a look at which one it is. Looked a little closer when I had a chance, but
2: I would imagine all wheel drive is massively easier, isn't it? I've never done it,
1: it is especially if you're especially if you do you know some of the like counter steer tricks where you you know overdrive the rear and, and everything else but the main thing with with rear-wheel drive is and it can cost money you can you can do it on the uh, fairly inexpensive to get started um, that's kind of what I did a bunch of my stuff is sort of hand- me down some from some other buddies that drift but um, you know getting a good gyro will will huge and um, you don't even need a fast motor like I, I know it sounds crazy I'm looking at my I'm looking at my Yokomo chassis and I'm running in I'm running an 8.5 and it's really really fast but it's it's been detuned a lot because I was used to running in like big open warehouses so you know a lot of that speed and power but I mean you can get away with like a 17.5 or a 13.5 motor you don't need to go crazy power Um A good gyro, you know, maybe like a V3 Yokomo. Sometimes you can find them used from people. Um, There's a – Facebook has a a specific, like, drift marketplace with, like, 13,000 members. That's worldwide. So, I mean, kind of gives you an idea of how many people are out there doing it. Um, Fair. But it's, you know, it's going to be frustrating at first. It's frustrating for me because you know being a, a guy who's used to you know counter steering and, and sort of fighting the car that's gonna be the, the biggest thing to overcome is sort of let the car kind of drive itself um, and and don't you know don't don't get too frustrated just you know ease into it and and um, you know there's there's you know YouTube is wonderful there's a lot of YouTube help videos out there that kind of talk people through it and you know just practice practice the basics start you're basically starting from you know, like a baby, you're, you're starting to crawl again. So it's, you know, trying to maintain, you know, drifting around a cone, you know, just drifting in small circles and then, you know, starting to transition to do like figure eights. And then, you know, you're slowly going to make that bigger. And then you start doing sort of like a triangle where you're drifting, you know, around and, and doing like multiple figure eights. Um, but it's it it's frustrating at first. I'm not going to lie. Rear-wheel drive is is a totally different uh, different animal, and, and it takes some takes some learning for sure. But it is, I mean, it is the current trend. So I mean, you're you're definitely headed in the right direction. And MST is a great company. The RMX car is a great car for that.
2: Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Um andre Campos asks has everyone been crawling more or building more during this pandemic I personally have been building yes
1: um. <laughs> <laughs> up until the fires in which case I've been stuck inside but uh i uh, i've been getting out I, I have a group that we go out every sunday I try and post pictures if you guys have seen some of our photos that i've shared of of our sunday crew we've got a we've got a pretty extensive group of guys that come out so I usually go out every Sunday.
0: That's awesome. awesome. Um, yeah, I, uh, basically I've been crawling once, which was, I think father's day weekend when we were up at Rubicon in both my real truck and the car and the toys. And then, um, otherwise I really, I, during this whole thing, I really only had like two weeks, maybe three weeks of downtime. Um, kind of like right after the first, I want to say like week or so of the announcement that everybody was supposed to stay inside and all that. Um, a lot of my clients got like wigged out and freaked out and didn't want anybody like over, which is understandable. Um, especially that early on and then once everybody kind of started hearing like the, Oh, as long as it's like, you know, man, like, what is it? Mandatory or, um, it affects your, I guess, quality of life repairs kind of thing. Like if you needed like electrical work, a roof put on, plumbing, whatever, you could do the work. And every, once they started hearing that and once, you know, the whole mask thing started, they kind of like – was the, almost like business as usual. So I really only had a couple weeks to entertain myself or keep myself busy, and that's right around when I picked up the scx 103 which at the time my goal was to do what I did with it and get it all done and, so, and get rid of the portals, but also get it ready for axial fest. Cause at that time I was axial fest was going on and I was like determined to have that ready. So that way it could be one of, if not the only non portal axle SCX 103 there. And then they postponed it. So that kind of like took all the air out of the balloon.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. I've been basically doing a bunch of neither, <laughs> um, yeah, it just hasn't really worked out that way for me this summer. So I have really small doses of both.
0: Yeah, I've so been yeah. Able to,
2: I've been able
1: to put a few back together. It's been a little slow in my office, so I've been, I've while I've been waiting for assignments, I was able to get my son's Unimog finished and a couple of other, you know, half finished projects done. So I'm, I'm close. I'm sitting on like ten actual completed rigs out of I think thirteen or fourteen I have sitting here. So.
2: Gotcha. That's gotcha. Awesome. Um, Andre also had another question that was just said, uh, "Kyosho crawler," and I'm I'm not sure if he's talking about the small scale one because that's the only one that's, that I
0: know of. That's that's the only one that they have. It's the Mini Z, which is tinier than the SCX uh,
2: 24. Yeah, unless
1: he's talking old school, in which case he's going back to like the Rock Force, right? Those mini- <laughs> i had one of those for a hot minute <laughs> worm drive gears and all four-wheel steer that oh, was one geez. of the early like four-wheel steer buggies that's kind of that was all like that was way before like the capras and and some of the other stuff all pre-dig but um yeah that's the only one i was gonna say that's the only kyosho i mean in, unless he's wondering if they're gonna come out with something but Which i think that shit for them out. is kind of sailed
2: yeah i i think yeah they they definitely missed the boat and i think if they were going to try and get it to any market it was going to shift uh shift some people onto their z line because that's basically what that company survives on is their Z variants so yeah i don't know i'm <laughs> i think everybody like like their racing platforms i think everybody wants them to make one but they probably won't um then another one from uh, Darwin. Uh, I hope I don't butcher your last name. We're going to go with uh, Bonky. Um, he said, when deciding on new RC, do you consider how they will look next to your other RCs? <laughs> um, the CEN F450 looks like a great scale tow rig, but with it being pretty close to true 110th. I can only think of how a 1/9 scale crawler on a trailer will look behind it. And I wanted to thank you for making podcasts. Well, thank you for listening.
1: Oh. That centric truck is gorgeous. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no, it, it is. It's, it, what is it though? Like 14 inches long? It's like crazy <laughs> long. Yeah.
0: So, so, so yeah. So, I agree. That's a great looking tow rig. Um, if you actually really think about it, and I don't know why people seem to think like the tow rig is supposed to be bigger than the crawler because um, if you actually – like if you ever – well, I don't know. In – the area I live in, once especially when you're going Sacramento north, you see a lot of people on the freeway with their tow with their tow rigs pulling their you know jeeps, uh, full built crawlers, whatever, headed either to um, Fordyce or Rubicon. Um, sometimes the the truck just looks small and dinky because it's a tow rig. They didn't lift it. They didn't put big old massive tires on it. It's just a tow pig, and all the money's in the car car behind it. And that car looked massive just because it's up on a trailer. So it's sitting a little higher. It's not on the ground. It's, you know, so, um, not really. Um, I understand his, his, I guess the point he's trying to make, uh, cause we've kind of touched base on this before that there's really, there's really no true sizing, you know, to like the one 10th, like, Axial's one-tenth is is obviously different than Traxxas one-tenth
2: yeah it's, it's right. everyone has their own interpretations and so that makes it, it almost makes it a bit of a novelty to try and like base the decision making off of it in terms of like if you have a I mean you could do it but if you have a you know certain amount of cars already it's like well if i i don't know if that would like really be the make or break for me is it if the scale is a little bit off because i mean that's one thing i've been complaining about for years anyways is like the uh like the full-size truck bodies for crawlers are way too small so it's like people still buy them so i don't know it's what was that
1: rc four-wheel drive that desert runner that one that was that was sort of the ford raptor unlicensed ford raptor clone like that was a really, really cool truck. I have have a couple buddies that have them and have seen them in person, but, I mean, they're sort of just clunkers on the trail. Like, they don't really, you're not, you're not for some of the stuff that we tackle, those trucks don't survive. Um, you know, you definitely need something with a little bit more travel than what those trucks came stock with. But it's an incredibly scale-looking, you know, rig out of the box. If you're talking about a, you know, quote-unquote tow rig,
0: yeah. Yeah, and see I think then again at that point you're buying a purpose-built car. You're not building it to go hit the trail. You're you're or you're not buying it to go hit the trail. You're buying it to be a talking point, showpiece, you mm-hmm. know, novelty. It's not really, you know, cuz I mean even even Sen has to think about it when you come out with something like that, especially the way the chassis is designed. It's really close to like a scale chassis it's you know it's, it doesn't come up really high in the front it's almost just like a flat uh, chassis the whole way down um you're not really gonna you know like like what market are you trying to you know enter in because you're not really a crawler I mean I'm sure you'll see somebody take it down the dirt but it's not really a crawler it's obviously not a drifter it's not a you know short course truck it's not an on-road truck so you know what is it um I just think it's one of those I call it the novelty, but I do gotta say the price point for that car for all for how scale it is out of the box, the the 350 mark is a sweet spot for almost any rig. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. And I imagine that people will, you know, will put some lift on it or you know leaf spring it out or I I didn't even look. I'm tr- I was trying to find it on their their web page, but I'm not even seeing it on their their page. And people are gonna be out there going, who's Sen? Sen's been around a long time. <laughs> Well, I the, the nitro scene.
0: Yeah. See, and I think, and like, I do got to admit, I was one of those people. I've never heard of Sen. I was like, okay, I don't know who this is, but I said it's pretty cool. Some twelve scale stuff too.
2: Yeah, that was the first yeah. time I'd heard of them.
1: I'm sure you're gonna see. I'm sure you're gonna see people with those as as tow rigs for sure. But it it goes back to the same argument you guys have had before too, with regards to to scale bodies and and you know, again, to sort of circle back. I mean, drift car shells are the same way. Like, I have a Corolla body that's the, basically the same design as my regular Coupe, and it's as big as, you know, like a 240, and you put a, a Nissan 240 next to a Corolla, and they're, you know, there's are night and day difference in size. Oh yeah, it's just, oh, you yeah. know, your, your full-size Dodge truck versus your um, import truck, and it's like, you know, a, a Dodge would, or, a, a, you know, your, your Toyotas would be dwarfed next to a, a Dodge truck, but you know, here they are, they're practically the same size. Yeah,
2: yeah and yeah. That's, that's kind of been my soapbox. I'm really particular about things like that, but at the same time, it, it doesn't become like the, the make or break if I buy something or not, like it's, I kind of live with it.
0: Well, um, really, the make or break, like like I guess the point I'd like to hit home with that is the make or break should be how bad do you want it? Exactly. Right. Because realistically – what you're going for. Exactly, because if, if it's really what you want, then get it. You know, like, you, you shouldn't be making that decision based on, oh, well, half of Facebook said you're, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything with it, and the other half says it's a waste of money, and, the other, you know, it's like you can't base your decision on that. It's it's how bad do you want it, and, like, you know, realistically ask yourself, A, are you going to use it, B, or do you just want it? If you just want it, rock it. Who cares?
2: Yeah. That's the most important thing. Brad? um and then the next one is from jerry shields he says thanks for the insight on skill trucks and honest opinions listening to your podcast is like hanging out before hitting the trails have you guys ever thought about the three of you collaborating on a build and sharing your progress and challenges along the way on the show also i dig the idea of the after hour show with the extra swear words and inappropriate jokes keep up the good work (laughs) Oh, thanks, Jerry. <laughs>
0: yeah. A lot of people find those entertaining.
2: Yeah. Um, as far as the, the build collaboration thing, it's a cool idea. I think the problem lies in... Uh, distance. The distance and the schedules on top of that because we are all very crazy people and very different... Or like very crazy busy diff, like people in different ways. So it's... It would be absolute hell to try and align on that. So as much as we would love to, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'm like, I I don't think any of us would rule it out, but it's certainly not something that would happen
0: Well, it was actually kind of, it was kind of funny. Uh, Me and Jay talked about this almost like, I want to say three or four episodes into doing the show. And uh, we were actually talking about how funny it would be to like each start a build for, like, the opposite person to review and, like, not post it on social media, build it all up, have a certain amount of time, and then ship it to the
1: other person and have
0: them. Yeah. That's cool. But we just, like, you know, it was one of those things, just never really got around to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, I'm not opposed to it, but coordinating it would be kind of you know the challenging part unless you just basically broke it down to you know you know uh jay's on you know whatever the looks the the body choice the whatever you know you're on making sure you know upgrade the suspension make it the way you want it to be and then you know electronics is you know you'd have to break it down to different sections and just keep you know passing it off to the next person just to get the whole thing done that's the only way i'd ever see that work with the distance yeah it's not like you can all just show up and say hey we're gonna do this and you know so
2: yeah exactly um yeah hopefully that sums that up um Next one from Chris Jones. He says, guys, love the show and listen religiously. I'm 53 years old and have been at RC for over 40 years. I have over 30 RC cars and trucks, all of which are 10th scale. Axial tracks us to me across RC. I have this bomber that needs SOR graphics and a decent brushed motor and ESC. The issue here is I live in Schittsville, Australia, <laughs> where I cannot buy SOR graphics direct. Don't worry, we're fixing that soon. Um, where... Sh- Shipping on a twenty dollar item costs a hundred. It costs a hundred twelve dollars for a set of two foams. For fuck's sake, <laughs> um, back to basics for me with L- uh, WPL winning. Disappointing, but super glad that I have what I have. Um, I mean, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, I feel bad for guys, especially like down there, because like. I, for guys in Canada and like Australia and those places, it, this hobby is so much more expensive for them because they have to pay for absolutely nothing, essentially just to get it in. Um, well, and that's rough. You know
0: what? Ah, uh, I think I'm going to get a hold of Thomas Cook because he's from Australia. Oh, so is he? he? Might, oh. Yeah, yeah. He might have some sort of like insider knowing a good way to get stuff. Because I mean i don't know maybe it's worth a shot i'm not gonna like hold him to it but i might just like (laughs) put the feeler out there and just say hey i said if we uh if we have somebody who's very interested in some electronics do you have some sort of like a distributor or you know shop you can
2: yeah i wonder i'd be curious to hear what he says because i mean if if there is one he would probably know um yeah that's kind of interesting um yeah, otherwise, I don't really know how you, like, circumvent and stuff like that. I mean, we've had people in the past, like, you know, that wanted stuff, like, shipped internationally, or, you know, I, I think maybe everyone has kind of been through this once if they've ever sold something to, like, somebody in Canada, and they want you to, to fib a bit about what you're sending or whatever like that, so they don't have to pay duty and things like that, which, I mean, I never do, but... um Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know really what legitimate solutions people have for things like that. If you even can, I mean, that's, I'm not very knowledgeable in that area, but
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The only other horror story I've ever heard of shipping that direction was, um, my buddy Todd Norton. He, uh, he offered – because he was doing some – I think this is right when he first started doing his vacuum forming stuff. He, he was vacuum forming some like canoes and some other stuff and I think like camper shells and whatnot. And uh, he put out some little thing on his page and he's like, oh, yeah, he goes, uh, enter something and I'll pick a random winner and you know whatever. But he didn't say had to be in the lower 48. Didn't say anything. That was his fault. And, and, of course, the guy that he randomly picked lived in um, South Africa. Yeah, and he was like, "He's like, you got to be kidding me." So he shipped it out, and he's like, "Dude, the thing was like eighty dollars to ship that thing." And I was like, "Hey, you're the one who said you didn't put any like rules on anything." And yeah. uh, he goes, "All right." So he ships it off. This guy, I wouldn't say hounded him, but he kept asking him, "Do you have any like insight on the pro- like on on the shipment? Because I can't find it." And he goes. I watched it leave the United States. Once it leaves out of any U.S. postal, you know, handler, he goes, I can't track it, so I don't know where it is. Exactly a year and a week later, it showed back up on his porch. Looks like it's been halfway around the world, but for some reason it ended up back at his porch. Wow. And he's like, I don't even know what happened. It basically looked like somebody wrote on it, um unclaimed or something like that. So I don't know what the deal was with that, but I mean that to me, that's like kind of like a horror story. Cause here you are trying to do something and then, like a year later, it finally comes back and you're like, yeah, this thing definitely looks like it's seen some miles, but you know, I don't know what the issue was.
1: Some of that stuff is strange. Cause I have a, the, the group of friends that I drift with, we will go in on an, on an order for like international stuff out of Hong Kong or from Japan. And I'm surprised sometimes how quickly some of the stuff mm-hmm. gets from like Hong Kong or Japan to the States, just paying like normal shipping, like not even fancy shipping. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll get stuff. It, it's crazy. Like it'll be like two weeks from like ordering something to here. And normally it's, it's like a month. Like I've had stuff take longer from Amazon to get to me than it did from you know, ordering from from Hong Kong or Japan, so, right? It's not right? strange, and it's not cheap either. I mean, it, you know, that's why that's why when we we do it, it's like, hey, we're putting this order together. Who wants stuff? And it's sort of whoever's willing to pull the trigger. Everyone sends PayPal, and and then they pull <laughs> <end> the trigger.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and it, it, you know, what also kind of seems funny is it almost seems like coming into the states always seems to be a lot faster than leaving the states because I've had. Um, which I still don't even know if it ever made it, but uh, there was a guy across the pond who asked for some 2 Chain Scaler stickers, and I sent him out a little care package, but I don't know if it ever made it, because I've asked him, and I think he did, but he answered me like three months later. and was like, yeah, it made it. He goes, it took forever, but it made it, and I'm like, dude, I sent that thing a long time ago. I can't believe it took that long to get there. And then the other one was I did send... Uh, some custom stickers um, that I made up to Canada and I remember cutting them out, shipping them out and they responded three weeks later saying they showed up. God. So I'm just going, I don't understand why it takes so long like to get out there, but like it almost seems like, like Chris was saying, like you can order stuff cause I know there's been times I've ordered stuff um, on eBay, and it says it's coming from China, and you're like, "Oh, great!" And it shows up in like a week, and you're like, "Oh, okay,
2: yeah." It's weird how that works. That's something that is really that is nerve wracking. As we are, like I kind of hinted at earlier, like we're gonna start international shipping soon via the website, and I cannot wait to have all of the uh, the follow up emails on the uh, where's my stuff and stuff like that because it's taken <laughs> three months to get to England or Greece or wherever it's going and it's like oh man like i'm sorry <laughs> in advance there's nothing i can do <laughs> but yeah that's going to be a lot of fun um and then uh Jake daughter with a question for Chris uh what would be a good entry level car for rear wheel drive drifting
1: Jake's one of my homies so shout out to Jake um so the most I would say the probably the most common and most popular um, are going to be the Yokomo YD series uh, for rear wheel drive and then the um, MST, someone hinted to it, the RMX 2.0, uh, the rear wheel drive RMX chassis. Um, both of those are available through A main. Um, uh, they're probably the, the easiest and the most popular um for like the rear wheel drive stuff that you'll be able to find here. There's some other fancier chassis you can get. Um but for for ease and simplicity, I would say that probably the Yokomo YD or an or an MST chassis is, is a good start.
2: Okay. okay. Rad. Um, um and then Jeremy Kim, uh he said here's a lengthy one for you guys. I'm having a hard time deciding on what I would get for a transmission on my custom drift build made by the amazing Andre Campos. He was suggesting the SCX-10-2 tranny with its lower profile to put in an interior, but the SCX-10-3 has metal housing and gears. I can see both good and bad in the transmissions due to the amount of torque needed to be able to withstand the drift. Uh, I've had a few drift cars in the past and noticed that transmission is directly connected to the drivetrain. I've seen other transmissions where it looks like a real transmission, which is connected to a real looking engine, but they cost around $140 each. With that said, any suggestions on what transmission would be a somewhat good option? And now like for, for clarification, um, most people listening I, to the show should I know. I saw his now. build. Yeah, most people... He's ambitious.
1: I'm yeah. not going to lie, he's ambitious.
2: Yeah, most people listening to the show should know by now, but Jeremy Kim, um, through the help of Andre Campos, is, is putting together a... Sx10 based drift car using the C channel and IFS and everything. And um, Andre has been posting all, a lot of all custom,
1: picks. all custom welded. I might add. And yeah, it,
2: it looks awesome. Yeah, Andre is doing some amazing work. Um, but there's definitely some, as as alluded to by this question, some decisions that need to be made. Um, this might be, yeah, this is a better question for both of you than me. I, I I've got nothing to offer Jeremy here. So. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? The first question is
1: how deep are his pockets? Because it's not going to be cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's there's definitely some I mean, there's definitely some some options if he's wanting to keep it, you know, relatively scale and I'll 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 reply with a, a link to um uh to a company. It's called Wrap Up Next, and they make they make a front engine uh, drift car with a rear driveline, which is exactly what he's basically building. But it puts the it it might be a little tougher with his setup because he's got the IFS on it. But yeah. my thought is yeah. if he puts the motor like right behind, basically right behind the IFS setup, and then runs a sh- a drive shaft. Um down low to the rear, I think that would be the sort of the optimal um, setup. I'm looking at, um, I'm actually on, there's a guy in Australia that has, um, it's called Engineered to Slide, and he built a a drift ute, which is a, um, it's a Toyota, he's using a Toyota Tacoma pickup. Oh wow! Oh wow! And, um, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing, <laughs> and it's and it's basically the same kind of thing that he's building. It's a it's basically a pickup that he built from the ground up, and, um, yeah. yeah. It it's kind of what what uh, Jeremy's trying to put together. Um, so I'll I'll post some links, but I think the the wrap up next or some sort of variation, if you could find sort of a front, um, you know, some sort of a front engine holder or front engine configuration for a car, and then, you know, from a gearbox or a tail shaft going down to the the back. I don't think a stock S E 10 um, kit trans would handle the power because um, you're going to be, for drifting, you're going to be spinning that a lot. And I don't even necessarily think those hardened gears would – would last given the kind of RPMs you're going to be turning for a, for a drift truck. Right. But no, I'm he's, he's got a cool build. I'm anxious. I'm curious to see how it, how it turns out, but I I know that's definitely an obstacle. The nice thing too, about putting that engine up front is that it leaves him the whole chassis to be able to hide, you know, his, uh, you know, hide his batteries, hide his, you know, ESC and, and um, you know, fans and everything else that he needs. So it definitely
2: would work. Gotcha. Okay. What do you think, Adam?
0: So I'm looking at it because actually, um, Andre, because I just realized we are doing really horrible with maintaining our messages on the Facebook page. Cause I just realized we had six unread messages that are going back to like August 17th. Oh no. Um,
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. Well, the funny thing is, I always thought I always thought Jay took care of all this, and now I'm like logging on, and I'm <laughs> he's, like, Whoa, he's thinking oh. you are. Yeah, <laughs> I thought <laughs> <supposed> to... <laughs> I thought Adam does. <laughs> so, um, basically, looking at this little video that he um, that he sent, um, I would um, the fact that you got the axial skid plate in there still. I would almost see which – every once in a while they pop up. I mean I bought mine – well, it wasn't installed yet, but I bought it off Facebook Marketplace. But um, the SSD scale trans, um, I'm not sure about how the strength will be for it, but it will give you a nice um, – I guess – easier way to mount some sort of a transmission to that skid plate um because it directly bolts up to the scx 10 skid plate if i'm not mistaken or i believe it goes in between the frame rails um because i haven't installed mine yet because mine's for my tiny tire build um but yeah i w- i mean i'd almost look into something like that because even that one i don't think it's that bad actually i should probably look it up while I'm, um um you know talking about it but I'm, I I want to say it's about 100 150 bucks new cuz I think I paid 125 shipped and that was only because it was a um it was a, it was an unused you know product but it wasn't new off the shelf
1: and looking at the chassis, the other thing too is you could. I mean, if you're if you're wanting to keep it sort of crawler, you might be able to get away with some sort of modified, like Vanquish, um, like their forward mounted, I guess, transmission, and you could do well, like a direct gear, which is kind of what the wrap up next setup is, but it's it's a little more involved than.
0: than we'll that. see. That, that's what that's yeah. what this SSD, rc SCX R C S C X ten scale transmission is. It is a full one piece forward mount. So it'll put the motor just up above the bulkhead for the IFS, um, and it's one hundred and fifty on A Main's website, and it gives you everything, and it'll mount right up to, um, right up to that chassis, no problem. Yeah, and it oh, comes good. with. So I don't know. This might be Chris might be able to translate this part, but um, basically. It's a CNC machine aluminum case, hardened steel 48 pitch gears, realistic scale design, front mounted motor, direct fit into SCX10 chassis. It's a 14.3 to one ratio. Uh, it just says you, it requires a chassis mounted servo in order for you, for everything to work because typically it'd run into um, a you know a servo on axle. Um realistically I think something like that. Um if you don't need other gears, here's an option. This just popped up cuz it says related parts that which I didn't even know they made. Um RC4L drive R4 ultimate scale single speed transmission meaning that there's no um I think it's just a it's all it's exactly like it says, which I don't think uh, he needs well. I don't know. Chris, do you need four uh, four wheel drive in a drift car?
1: No, no. For his setup, he's he can run it fine. His his problem is gonna be is mainly gonna be weight, um, I think, and and just getting the the balance set up because it's gonna be. I mean, if if you're putting the motor that far forward, it's gonna be a. Looking at the back end of that truck, it's not a very heavy rear end. So. Well, he
0: could put the battery back there. That's true. That's true. So but uh cuz RC4 drive has an the RC4 drive R4 ultimate scale single speed transmission and basically this looks like a 2 wheel drive transmission out of like you know a wheel drive pickup truck it's literally the bell housing which you put your motor into then there's the transmission part and then there's just one shaft sticking out the back that you put a drive shaft to and it says it's all billet aluminum and cnc machine but this gear ratio is 10 to 1 And 5.86 ounces is how much it weighs.
1: Yeah, I wonder, if, I wonder if you could get away with the... I'm just looking at the FRD. It's going to be spendy.
0: The only reason why I was trying to stay with something that works with that chassis is because then there's no modification needed to kind of figure it out. Right. Um, because... The SC, I'd stay away. I'll be honest. I'll stay. I'd stay away from the SCX10 three, and uh, mainly because there's so many moving parts in that thing. Plus, you'd have to lock out the um, the dig and the two speed, just to, you know. Um, you don't need progress. all that, especially that's in a You aren't going to need any of that. That's what I'm. That's why I was, you know, basically getting to that. Um, then there is. You could do the SCX-10-2 kit-style transmission because that one's pretty much generic, and the way they elongated that one is you... Um, the weight distribution is different, and that one will bolt right up to an scx 10 skid, so if he has access um, to an scx 102 kit-style skid, that'll work, and if he doesn't, uh, let me know. Um, jeremy get a hold of me if you go this route um i have some from some of my rigs uh because obviously they're the standard um three gear transmission style but axial included the kit style in some of them so that way if you chose to run this transmission but um extra speed makes a aluminum transmission assembly so i believe it's everything you need um yeah it comes with everything a 56 tooth spur gear and 15 uh, tooth pinion. Uh, it's all pre-assembled. They just say check to make sure all the screws are in there and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, it's not bad. This is another option, 125, and it's completely built, ready to go. But the difference is the motor would stay right next to the transmission. It wouldn't go forward over the um, the bulkhead, so it would stay centered to the car.
1: Nice and low. Yeah. I only worry about the... Cause in that kit transmission, there's a. I mean, if it's not built right, there can be a lot of play in those kit transmissions. The newer ones may have gotten better, but I know in in my um, in my bug, I had to tear the my bug apart to, and it's because it runs one of those modified. It's a Northwest Scale Designs bug chassis, and it runs one of those kit transmissions in it. And it's a it's a great transmission, but I know that like you definitely have to have everything you know tight and snug. There's there's no there's well, no for anything coming apart in
0: that side that case. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is this is an extra speed version, so I don't know oh. if, if if they adju- if they addressed all that.
1: Oh, 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 right. That's what
0: I'm saying. This isn't a this isn't an actual axial one. This okay. is an extra speed. So I like I said, I just don't know if they've addressed all that because I know with the kit version, you had to, if you took it apart, you I think it was the upper shaft, you had to put a rubber uh, O ring and that got rid of the noisy transmission. But, I mean, realistically, the only other thing I can think of is you could go with the tried and three-gear. I do know that there's a ton of different aftermarket parts you can throw at it to make it, like, quote-unquote, mm. bulletproof. Um, so, you know, there's that option, too. And being that he doesn't look like he's running an interior... Uh, you wouldn't have to hide anything. It'll just fit.
1: Well, in almost any like buggy transmission. I mean, we're using. on the, the Yokomo chassis. The the transmission is. I think these are. What am, I looking at? am I looking at a four, a three or a four? I mean, if he if he's got a clean slate, I mean, he can basically design and build pretty much any you know transmission you know, set up he wants, so if he wanted to go with something like a rear motor, you could probably find or get, like, a, a Yokomo YD, you know, transmission case and, you know, the gear set for it and just bolt it into the, the rear. The only difference for him is going to be, um, oh, I guess it wouldn't because it's not direct drive. It's, I keep forgetting mm-hmm. he's running a shaft into a, um, he's running a different configuration for the rear end. Never mind, that won't work. I was thinking like out drives to it, but he's, he's going to be running the, the pumpkin from like an SCX or an RC four wheel drive pumpkin. I got all excited. I was like, I'll just throw, you know, YD two transmission in and just run the out drives, but he's trying to keep it totally scale and make it a truck.
2: All in all curious to see how it goes. Yeah, it's been yeah, pretty cool to see the progress so far. a couple things so up there. At
1: least, if nothing else, at least it gives him some some references to to look at as far as you know a direction that he might want to go. It all depends on how you know crazy he wants to do. If he's talking like full three D interior, then you know something he can tuck up inside, kind of like what you were hinting at, Adam, with that RC four or with the um, yeah the RC four wheel drive or no SSD transmission where it's mm-hmm. sort of scale. Um, you know that would allow him to put a, a full tunnel and and
2: you know, interior and seats and everything else in it. Yep. If you that row. Yeah. 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 Hopefully that inspires them. That'd be pretty sweet. Get some ideas from there. Awesome. Um, I don't think we had any more questions. Adam, did you see any that I didn't get to?
0: No, that looks mine. You
1: didn't answer my question. Oh, you have another one. That's
2: right. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: See, (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know if Travis was saving those for the end or if he was purposely ignoring them. I asked.
2: No, I asked the drifting surface one, but then I got off topic and I forgot to ask the other one. Okay, so top fan Chris Trudeau asks: since Adam (laughs) is a Chevy guy and Jay is a Ford guy, and I suppose Travis is a Ford person too, eh, I'm like flavor of the month guy. Focus.
1: Yeah, I know you have a you have you have the. (laughs)
2: uh would you likely build a drift truck of said body or a domestic body drift car or import this is tough
0: (sighs) Eh, sort of i i think my answer would probably shock a lot of people but
2: well what is your answer
0: so my answer is i would not be i would not build a drift truck only because if you think about it and I could be wrong, like, you know, point. Someone could say that I'm was that i wrong. I don't really know of a two-wheel drive, front-wheel drive truck. So most of them, like most trucks traditionally, even the imports, is a rear-wheel drive. Now, I'm not saying you can't drift it, but theoretically, with the way, you know, everything kind of like, at least I've seen it, all the I know the one-to-one, like, real drift cars, it's always been front-wheel drive because um, you can pull the e-brake and that's what starts the drift. Um, so unless you did some custom truck, um, like your Ken Block or something, um, I don't see how that would happen. Honestly, I would probably go with, because it's really the only other thing outside of tr- trucks that I think to me looks halfway decent, would be like a Subaru WRX. I'd probably go like that route, that body kind of make it scale because it's still something you kind of see, yeah. you know? So that would be my answer.
2: I God, I don't know. Um,
0: you could drift your focus <laughs>
2: drift it right back to the dealership.
1: The Huna truck is a little, is a little extreme, but yeah, I mean, there is the, the, the HUNA truck is a, is an old Ford, what, F100, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. God, I, I don't know. This is really tough because. I. You've I don't, got warehouse space at your spot, Travis. I would imagine
1: that like you guys would have the perfect floor to be sliding and drift around at your work.
2: Oh yeah. It'd be, it'd be amazing if the, it's all warehouse floor and everything Tons of space to do it. Um, something funny happened there today actually that kind of made me think about this even was uh i don't know this was this was a trend when i was in school and it was pretty short-lived i was like second grade um but i don't know if you guys remember heelys at all yep dude one one of one of our software engineers showed up today and i see him fly by me and i'm going what the what the hell and i look down dude's wearing heelys. like i haven't seen those since like 2007 (laughs) I was like, "Well, that came up
1: in a discussion with I don't know if it was a, one of my friends. I swear I messaged Jay about it because <laughs> something came up about getting old or whatever, and I I sent a link or something. Somebody I can't remember now who it was, but I sent a link. They make adult Heelys now.
2: Yeah, I sent a link yeah. to somebody for them. Yeah, it was crazy. Was crazy. Yeah, but um, no, I no, I think about that all the time. I was like, I'd look at that floor, and I'm just like, man, there'd be this would be pretty rad. Um." doesn't take much, man. A simple kidney bean layout, you'd be golden. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. We have the space to do it. God, I don't know. I I just, I, again, that's my problem is, man, I don't even know. I don't even know where I would start. Like, I just, I, I'm so, you know, ask, honestly, ask, ask Jay, ask my dad how decisive I was in <laughs> choosing a crawler body. Uh, the, I, I didn't. Like, he had to choose, and it was after months, like. so to to ask where i'm going to go with the drift car i'm oh man i am so far so far away what do you like
1: what i mean like i guess if you pick something what do you i mean i know what you drive but like you a car guy or a truck guy or
2: Uh, i like i said it changes so often like i'm not even like i'm not even like a ford chevy or like dodge guy like i said it's just it's whatever i happen to drive past on the road that's like huh that looks kind of expensive i kind of want one of those (laughs) <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, you know it might for example last year i was like for six months of last year i was like hardcore like man i really want an f-150 you know new ones are great and then the last half of the year i was like well I, I don't know your gmcs look really good and so that's like i can't pick a side and i don't know um it, my problem is like yeah like i drive a focus on for, for its flaws i love my car but i also see that that's like that did kind of become a mainstream thing with Ken block and stuff like that and I was just like I I don't like doing what other people have already done and unfortunately that really narrows my scope so <laughs> I don't know it's it's I'm not as creative on that front as I wish I you know could be because it's just it's I spent forever pondering things like even when I even choosing colors for my race cars I I decide I think it's gonna look sweet and I get them and they look badass don't get me wrong but I'm just like I wonder what it would have looked like if I would have tried this, you know. So yeah, I don't know. It's just it's something. It's oh, something. I've how just long never did it take you to decide. pick your drag shell, your drag body shell? I didn't. He chose for me. Okay. See. All right. <laughs> I had no hand what, in any when of, of doubt, it. Without
1: you doubt is that the is that what we're coming to the conclusion? He's. Though?
2: It's no secret. He's the creative <laughs> Dad, half of S O R. Oh, okay. I
1: was gonna say, Dad does all the decision making, or is that just
2: <laughs> <laughs> anything that anything that has to do with how it looks is it goes across his desk because i just i'm not that's not me (laughs) not me at all so yeah i don't know um okay now i think i think all the questions are covered and i checked the shared post too and i didn't see any so um yeah i didn't have anything else oh actually i did have one one piece of news um because this is the first time we've recorded since uh it became news is that by the Fire is officially postponed to 2021. Um, so we were kind of speculating a little bit and um, wondering what was going to happen with ProLine By the Fire because of some stuff that was happening, obviously, with COVID, and then they were having some issues with some city property or something like that. I don't really remember exactly what the the deal was, but now it is official that they're just the kind of candidate it for the year, and it'll be back next year. So sad news, but at the same time, I think – it was all in Not the back unexpected. of our minds. Yeah, it was on the back of our minds that, like, you know, this is probably going to happen. So,
0: yeah, I speculated that. Um, I think almost from the beginning, uh, only due to the fact that it's California and there's a lot of counties. Like, it, see, and that's the hard part, especially with a state like California. Is you know, there's states back east and in the Midwest where, like, the whole state kind of like rallies together and kind of says yeah if you want to do something and you follow protocol cool whatever we're not gonna you know get mad at you you don't you you know do whatever just as long as you're being safe california it's like you can have two counties right next to each other one county could be like do whatever you want just make sure that you follow safe protocols the other county be like shaming them you know, saying this is ridiculous, da, 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 and like they 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 fight with each other. So I had a feeling this was gonna happen just due to the fact that you know so many other big events have postponed and canceled. That how are you gonna be able to do this? And then I don't know. I'd have to look again. Did they say something about Apple Valley being closed or shut down?
2: That was that was the problem they were having. Um, but it seemed even while that was going on that. That was a continuation of nobody really knowing because, again, see, they were I getting think, mixed signals from Apple Valley themselves.
0: We'll see because Apple Valley is, if I'm not mistaken, a state-run park. So the state controls it. So if the state shuts it down, then there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. not And not to get anybody in trouble, that's kind of like why, for instance, crawling out of COVID... That's coming up here in three weeks. I want to say three weekends. Yeah, October third. Um, the the beauty of that one is where it's being held at is a public or privately owned area, yeah. so they can choose if they want to be open or not.
2: We were having this problem. We talked about it on Track Walk tonight, actually, where we were having this sort of similar problem where. Th- We because we have our our Northwest Championship Tour series up here and then we have a bunch of, you know, various races that people hold. Right. And we were running into a circumstance where you would have a one message from one county and then a completely different message from another county. But then things would all of a sudden just sort of change on you. Like so they were they were building the track for race in Idaho. They were they were like actually building the track, ready, getting ready for the event, and then they got the call that day that all of a sudden everything that they had gotten previously approved for, all of a sudden, um, the race was off, and they were told they weren't allowed to have it. And a similar that, thing happened. Didn't
1: that recent drag race run into the same thing? Like they they everything was approved. They were got it everything. They ran the race. Everything was fine, and then like upon leaving, like just everyone kind of got their their butts chewed from some like city official like this never should have happened and all kinds of stuff went down with one of the like washington drag groups or something i didn't hear about that
2: um i'm not to say it didn't happen but i that was not something that i know anything about um that's the first i've heard of it um yeah weird um no but like that that happened with the the second round they were going to have in Yakima. Like, they were going to go to Yakima, and then all of a sudden it changed, so they had to go to Post Falls in Idaho instead. And then now they're going back to Yakima because they can't do it in Oregon now because Oregon's on fire. So
0: Yeah,
2: yeah so in, it's, it's just been a big mess. So it's like if you're a promoter or, you know, an event runner, anything like that, you're in a position where you're like, man, how can you do anything with any confidence right now? Like, because they – that you basically don't know until the event's over if it's gonna happen, right? So yeah, I and, mean, it's, and be prepared to pay fines if
1: you if you do it. Just have it have an extra couple grand for, ready for fines just in case. Well, right. right.
2: Especially if the cities and counties' words aren't worth anything apparently is what we're learning. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's well, that's been a struggle.
0: Well, the funny thing is, and maybe I shouldn't say this because maybe this is like a. Uh, uh, after dark episode, kind of like you know <laughs> joke. But I'm surprised people haven't started doing an RC event and calling it a peaceful protest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you think one person would have tried it, wouldn't you? Well, because if you think about it, okay, you're they're not supposed to shut down a peaceful protest. So if you're gonna be a peaceful protest, then you shouldn't be getting in trouble because right. if they're gonna deem you, a problem then they got to go down and hit everybody else it's so it's like i don't know that's me kind of being a smart ass looking at you know outside of the box but i mean it's just interesting that i haven't seen that yet
2: yeah i know i i'm kind of with you there i'm genuinely surprised no one has given that a go
0: and watch now that we did it we're going to be like the the punching <laughs> guy rebel
2: routers yeah, yeah. <laughs> well scale C like-
0: show
1: said yeah (laughs) we're all three in different states so it might be a little harder to track us down but
0: yeah we're we're not we're we're not lawyers or we're what is it we're not uh yeah we're not lawyers so don't do what we say
1: the opinions expressed do not (laughs) reflect
2: the opinions of our sponsors exactly (laughs) always (laughs) um yeah no i i didn't have anything else um adam did you have anything
0: no, I mean, we've really kind of like covered everything. Um, I don't really think there's anything else. Um, I do know that the, these fires have, you know, wreaked havoc across, um, you know, basically the whole West Coast. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it is. It's just really crazy what's going on because, which is actually kind of like, I guess, an interesting question. Maybe I'll ask you guys um, to see if you guys have dealt with it. But last week, I want to say it was Wednesday. It was like straight up apocalypse, you know times. Like there is no, like okay, let me see how like how can I like describe this without like you guys seeing a picture. Basically, at like nine o'clock in the morning, it looked like it was six o'clock at night. You were like. What is going on? It was like the darkest shade of red you've, you've ever seen. You really could not tell where the sun was at all the entire day. Ugh. I remember going – I was working in a garage. So obviously you're using you know fake light. You're using a light bulb so you can see what you're doing. And I'm swapping out some plugs and whatnot, and you're getting used to that light. Well, all of a sudden I walk outside, and you're going, what is going on? You know, it's almost like the solar eclipse kind of feel. Yeah. And you're just, you're just kind of like, what is going on? This is the weirdest thing in the world. And then it just progressively got worse. I went to another stop at like 2.30 in the afternoon. I was in there going over the project for about 20, 30 minutes. I walked outside, and in that 20, 30 minutes, it got darker. By the time it hit 3 o'clock, you would have thought it was, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. It That's was just wild. like, it was just like the weirdest feeling in the world because like the whole day was just completely dark and it was just like, it was just bizarre. So I don't know if you guys, ex- you know, experienced no.
2: that. I, I, not up here. So up here we we were like sort of at the tail end of that big, uh, like the big, like concentrated smoke cloud that had kind of uh-huh. come up from you guys through Oregon and onto us, Um, we're at the tail end of that. Now the only weird moment we had with it. And I mean, it's still, it was supposed to have been gone by now, but it's still here. It's kind of weird. Like, cause you can still see like the beam of headlights and stuff like that. Um, the air is just crazy thick and it's really humid right now too, for no explicable reason. But, um, no, the only weird thing was that like Saturday and Sunday, it was, everything was just extremely yellow. Like I felt like I was in like a, like one of those, like. Mexican crime action movies you know where it's like the super hardcore like yellow tint it that's what it felt like um and so that disappeared though but we haven't got like the crazy the crazy you know what you because I've seen some of the pictures of what you're talking about and you're just like man what is going on um yeah and no, I hopefully we're at the tail end of it soon but we're getting some rain so I, I don't know how Oregon's been though
1: send it down here we need it. It's. It like, I went out last night, I was taking the the trash cans out at like two and it, it had like clearly sprinkled, but we need, we need a ton. Like I have friends that have been evacuated. Like it's like one of my buddies that I actually crawl with, he's, um, the fire line is a mile and a quarter from his place. Wow. And he's, um, he's like, I'm thinking about going, he's been like sneaking back and forth to his house in between driving like basically around barriers to get like stuff to and from his house. And he's like, I'm thinking about getting on the tractor and he's like, and basically just, you know, digging my own sort of fire, fire barrier just to be on the safe side.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I don't condone anything. That's that kind of risky behavior. Like, you know, whatever you do, just be careful. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the maps. I'm not near anything. Um, I'm not near anything green, but it's, it's definitely been smoky since it's, started i mean you walk outside and other than the smell you know it just looks like a really bad fog yeah at the base of a mountain i can normally see the top of the mountain that i'm at the bottom of and i can't see anything
2: that's where we're at right now where our visibility is super low it just looks like a super thick fog that's constant like all day long that's what we got right
0: now that's basically what we're starting to get back to um and it's really weird. We'll get like, like today was actually the first day where we had sunlight before noon. Typically it's been like, you you know, it looks like fog, but you know, it's smoke and we'll get that lingering till about, I mean, usually anywhere between one and two o'clock then the sun pops out for a little bit. And then it goes right back down to like, you know, the looks like fog again. Um, sure. but today I actually noticed I was looking, uh, outside when I was working and it like by, 10 o'clock we were already seeing sunlight so um i don't know if it's going to start you know continuously getting better i mean this the crazy thing is it's like all these fires they started just like everything all the news started sounding like the same thing so we can never keep track which one was getting more you know the more contained than the other right so it was starting to like all kind of blend into one but um yeah i'm just you know it, the scare, the I don't, I don't know if it's scary is the right word to use. The crazy thing is, typically California doesn't get rocked until about October. Right. That's typically like so. It's like, is this just like a preview, and then we're gonna get hit hard again?
2: Yeah, that's a scary thought. Huh.
0: So,
1: and you're uh, where, Adam? You're northern? You're like northern California? Yeah. Like Sacramento, yeah. that kind
0: of. Well, I'm technically in the Bay Area. Oh, okay, um, but. I travel to and from the Sacramento area a lot. So, okay. um, yeah. Cuz actually it was quite it was actually sad 2 years ago when we had the Sonoma fire um and all that. That was that all happened within like days of crawl fire cure ending. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were still I think we were still up in Auburn and we were coming back and I had to drive through um and I drive through Fairfield, Vacaville area, and they were on the tail end of those fires, and it was just crazy to drive through there. You were just like, "This is insane." And we thought, and like, and realistically, we did. We thought that was bad. This year so far has been worse because we've never seen the weather and the sky do that before. So we've had fires, and you know, we can smell the smoke and it stinks and all that stuff, and you know, but this time it was like. This is totally changing. We're getting like microclimates out of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. So yeah, our popular crawling spot where we go on weekends—they set fire to the, the far end of the the island, so it's closed off. One of my one of the buddies that I go with stopped by there, and they had it all fenced off. You can't even go down there to to crawl anymore. So um, <laughs> the discussion was like, where would we go now? And whoops. you know, we we're getting we normally go out every Sunday, and this is the first Sunday in like probably six or eight weeks that I haven't gone out with anybody just because the air is so poor.
0: We'll see. And then that's the other thing too. Um, a lot of like national force are being shut down because for, I think for multiple reasons um, one, they're, you know, they're trying to keep people out of there. So that way, if it is a senseless fire that starts, it's, you know, less likely to happen um, because in, I want to say in Typical fashion, I'd like to say, 75 to 80 percent of the fires have turned out to be man-made in California. It's very rare that, like, one of the big ones that you know ruins a lot of stuff is due to natural cause. A lot of them are due to like a power line goes down. Yeah. Somebody forgot to put out. Like the big one that we had, I want to say eight years ago now, um, just north of where my parents' cabin is um, in the Yosemite Valley. That one was due to um, a hunter didn't properly put out his fire. It's all it takes. Yeah, well,
1: and even just simple stuff like you see, you know, trucks going down the road. I mean, we've all seen it: pickup trucks going down the road with trailers behind it, and the the drag chains or the emergency train uh, chains, you know, dragging on the asphalt and sparking and stuff like that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what a lot of the the brush fires and grass fires start from as well.
0: Yeah, there's that—the throwing the cigarette butts out the window, all that stuff starts absolutely, it. Absolutely. So, so I mean, it's just crazy. And then actually, the big one that they just had down in SoCal in the San Diego area was caused from a family doing a gender reveal party, and the fireworks got out <laughs> yes, of control. Saw that. So I much. mean, it's like, it's like you know, and it's like, like, like I don't want to sound like insensitive and say it's senseless, but it really is because it's like,
2: oh, that was just stupid.
0: What are you guys doing? Yeah. Like. So, but I mean, so that's what I'm saying. So I think that's part of the reasons why like a lot of these, you know, national forests and and stuff that people utilize to go crawling have been shut down because they're trying to keep people out of there. So that way, you know, you're less likely to catch something on fire while all these crazy, um, you know, temperatures slash conditions are going on because theoretically with ours, or I should say like typically with our stuff, the fires tend to happen right around the ultimate burn, you know, conditions. It's dry, it's hot, and it's super windy. Yeah. And then, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. That's when we get all the fires. So, if you keep people out of there, you're less likely to start something. So, unless it's truly, you know, nature-driven, but the only nature ones we ever really get are from thunder and lightning. And we did just have lightning, but that was about a month ago. And I know that started – they said that started the fires um, kind of around where I live for, I want to say, maybe four or five of them were actually lightning. Uh, some of these other ones that are going off, um, I've heard and seen articles that they were – they've already arrested people for arson. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, same up here.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've seen the one. I've seen the one. If I don't know if it was in, I think it was in Washington. Yeah, I think it was in Washington. They could just busted the the guy, and I think they busted him twice in like.
1: It was here in or, Oregon. Yeah, he busted him twice. Oh,
0: yeah, busted him twice busted. in like what was it? Fourteen hours.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: It's like, what Those are you doing? People
1: have a real problem.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. Well, on that note, real quick before we end, um, I do kind of urge everybody to go to the listing for the last episode of the track walk podcast would be for episode 52 in the description for that episode. There's a link for a GoFundMe for a racer up in Oregon. His name is Uh Layton. Um, he just lost everything Everything. pretty much due to the fires. And so, uh, the the guys down there were awesome, of course, and organized a a GoFundMe for him, and um, you know they had a benefit race at PDXRC and all that. So um, if if anyone is able to you know send anything his way to help him out, I mean obviously it's you know it's horrible, <laughs> you know. So uh, it, go check the the GoFundMe link out in the description for that last show of the Trackwalk podcast, and uh, you know I, I'm sure he'd be extremely grateful. Oh.
1: Yeah. And I'll throw another shameless plug. Um, uh, Adam, I don't know if you've gotten your care package yet from Jay and Travis yet or not, but, um, the, uh, the plates that you and your dad got Travis, um, yeah. my buddy yeah. Ethan who runs the, the, scale RC plate shop, he's doing a funder. His wife's uh, company is matching donations for, um, license plates so for Oregon, we've got a the Smoky the Bear, and then for Washington State, there's a, a firefighter one. Okay. I just okay. put the link to the page on there, but if you um, if people out there want to order a custom plate, I think he's running it through Sunday, so I don't know when you're gonna. I'm, Friday is when you're gonna post it, probably.
2: Most likely. Uh, yeah. uh,
1: so if if people want to get in and get some cool custom scale license plates, um, again, it's I think it's only the two, the Oregon. Uh, Smoky the bear and the Washington State one. You can get other ones too, but but um, dollar matching for those particular ones. To I think it's the Red Cross. His wife's company's matching, so awesome. he's been sitting out a stack of them. So um, check them out if you want some cool scale license plates for your rigs. Shameless plug and
2: yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, drop us the link for that for sure, and uh, and we can get that posted. Um, but yeah, that was. Just I wanted to bring attention to those things before I forgot. Um, Yeah, beyond that, I've got nothing else.
0: The only thing I would just add is just be conscious of what's going on. If, you know, like have somewhat of a plan, you know, and I think that's a lot of the other problems that goes on, like, you know, kind of like what happened when the whole coronavirus thing started at the beginning, you know, your average person doesn't have a plan of what's going on because I think they just don't think anything's ever going to happen. I'm not saying be one of those nervous wrecks that are always like ready for like the worst disaster possible, but it's like at which You know, and this could be a whole other topic, so I don't want to drag it out. But it's like when I was growing up, um, our middle um, school—actually, I went to a K to eight, K through eighth. So that my school, the whole entire time I was in school, we had an uh, earthquake emergency kit. kit, And the and the parents, we had to put something together. You know, with our parents, like an extra T-shirt, a blanket, um, you know, some non-perishable foods. Uh, emergency contacts, um, stuff like that, just so that way, in case something was to happen, we had something at the school if our parents couldn't get to us in time, um, which isn't a bad idea to do at your own house, you know, have some sort of something to be prepared in case, you know, shit hits the fan, you kind of have something, you know, because I think the biggest problem is a lot of people get caught off guard and they don't know what to do. And then that's when the chaos and the panic, you know, kick in and um, just kind of, like I said, just be conscious of what's going on. If you see something or if, like, even if like you see something like in your neighborhood looking like it's smoldering, you, you know, kind of be ready to, you know, address it. Um, and, you know, just, just be safe. Cause I know, especially here on the West coast, we're dealing with some crazy times.
1: Yeah, don't don't take fire for granted. No. Especially fire, fire.
0: Fire spreads quickly. Um it's and it started really easily, especially in dry brush.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So that's that's all I'd add to it.
2: Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Um yeah, I think we're good to good to say goodbye. Um obviously huge thank you again to you know for making the time to come on with us yep. and um and obviously for being so supportive of not only our podcast but everyone's podcasts and it's you know we we feel lucky so i appreciate it
1: i'm an rc nerd man i've i've, I've posted
2: pictures of some out of my collection but i mean i, th- I think i'm
1: over a 100 i'm not Jesus. lying when i say that but i've <laughs> got 20 plus years of collecting and stuff so oh boy yeah that's yeah, awesome. It's, it's been a ride, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, this is in, well, for what I've spent right now, I could have had a really, really good therapist, but this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, my form of therapy. So, and I'm sure it is for a lot of other people too. So I'm, Absolutely, I'm happy yeah. to promote and help. And, uh, yeah, if anyone has, you know, drift questions, you know, feel free to post them up or share. And there's tons of threads. There's tons of Facebook groups out there. If you have questions, um, you know, kind of the same thing with crawlers, you know, what's the best crawler? What's the best drift car? You know, just just read. Search as your friend. You will find answers.
2: I like that one. Just read. Perfect. righty. Well, um, yeah, it's been episode 60, everybody. So thank you guys for tuning in. And, uh, get well, Jay. Get well, Jay. And uh, we'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks, gentlemen. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank,
2: thank you. you. Bye.